Thank you very much, Rabbi Pozensky, Professor of Shechter, Rav Pozensky, Marida Asra, it would be easy to, to say and to perhaps short-circuit the discussion this evening by saying that our, our Masora is eternal and unchanging and, and, and leave it at that. And that statement is true on one level, but simultaneously on another level is not true. So maybe let's try to just elaborate that a little bit. On a phenomenological level, and, and by that one means on the level of outer appearances, on the level of surface appearances, so things do change. For instance, give two types of examples, both well known. Sometimes the psak halocha on a question which has been discussed and, and debated amongst uh, the Chachmeh HaMasorah throughout the generation, sometimes the psak halocha, at, at a, the, the pendulum will swing at a certain point. So we live in a, in a in an age when the opinion of the Vilna Gon in terms of Zmane Hayom is the dominant opinion. There is, of course, still many communities that are also machmi for, uh, for Abenu Tam's opinion in Zmane Hayom, but the more dominant opinion is that of the Vilna Gon. But that wasn't always the case. Historically, if we go back a few hundred years, so the, the opinion of Abenu Tam in many, many areas was much more, uh, much more prevalent. So that's one example, again, of again, phenomenological change. Another example, which isn't, which would seemingly be more provocative and, and more relevant to some of tonight's uh, issues and, and foci, is the um, area of, of Chinochabanos. Clearly there, again, on a phenomenological level, there's been change. That there was no such thing as uh, formal uh, education for girls for, for millennia. And uh, now it's something, all differences of opinion of what, what the curriculum should be, notwithstanding, but now it's something which is uh, just about universally taken for granted. Again... Seemingly an example of change. What needs to be understood, and these are just intended as representative examples, what needs to be understood and, and recognized are, are at least three common denominators, again, to all examples of change or apparent change. First of all, in each of the cases... There is no fundamental change to the Masorah, but it's rather a dynamic which is playing out within the Masorah. So, for instance, in the example we gave with the Ben Hashmoshos, the Vilna Gaon didn't come and, uh, and, and ex nihilo and, and Yeshme Ayin come up with uh, a new opinion 
with a new approach to Zmane Hayom, the issue was an issue which had been uh, discussed and there had been disagreement about for hundreds of years. It's an issue which goes back to the Rishonim and the Gaonim, the opposing opinions. And as is the case with many uh, halachic issues, so the discussion and debate amongst the Chachmei HaMasorah transcends the boundaries of individual lifetimes. The same way uh, the, the uh, discussion about Chodosh in Chutzlar, it's whether or not one has to be uh, careful about the prohibition of Chodosh in Chutzlar, it's again, is something which the, the, the discussion and debate goes on for hundreds of years. So that's an example also. So it's not something from the outside which is being imposed upon the Masorah. It's not something which, again, a change which is being affected upon the Masorah, but rather the Masorah allows for this intergenerational discussion and debate. And sometimes in Psach sometimes a pendulum swings, and sometimes what is the accepted opinion in some generations will be one way, and in other generations will be another way. The Rambam writes in Hilchas Mamrim, the Rambam is referring to Sanhedrin there, but the same is true for this intergenerational discussion and debate amongst Chachmei HaMasorah, that uh, one Bezdin can disagree with the, with the rulings and the decisions of an earlier Bezdin. And when they're dealing with uh, Dinim Daraisa, they don't even have to meet the standard of Godel B'chachma B'minyan. They have to be an outstanding Bezdin. And if so, again, there's an intergenerational discussion and debate. And that's what allows within the Masorah Again, for what on one level appears as change, and again, I guess it's a question of semantics if one wants to call it change, but it's important to understand, again, that it's phenomenologically change, but it's something, it's what the Masorah allows for because of the intergenerational debate. Similarly, in terms of the, uh, the, the, the issue of Chinuch HaBonos, no one, not the Chofetz Chaim, not the, 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 the Belzer Rebbe, who, who was the first of the Gedoli Yisrael to be consulted. No one, Rachman al-Atzlan, overruled the, the, the Gemara in Sota. No one said that, uh, that, 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 that we think differently, that we say differently. They said that they felt that the Masora, when it gave the directive of the Gemara in Sota, where Chazal opposed imposing learning, upon uh, girls who are not obligated in Talmud Torah, that Chazal gave that directive in a time when Emuna and Havas Torah and Yerushalayim was something that were imbibed in the home through osmosis, where the tradition was so strong and, and so vibrant. And that in our times, that Chazal never gave such a directive. So again, change on one level, I guess, you could say it is, but it's crucial to recognize that it's more of a change which is dictated by the fact that the question was different. When the question is different, so then the Masora internally will give a different response. The same way if you come to a Rav and you ask him a Shaila about, uh, about a little bit of milk that falls into the, the chicken soup, 
So depending upon what the proportions are, you may get different answers. You can ask the question one day, you'll get one answer. You'll ask the question the next day, you'll get a different answer. Because if the facts on the ground change, so it doesn't mean that the Masorah is changing. The answer changes, but that doesn't mean the Masorah changed. It doesn't mean the Halacha changed. It means that the Masorah internally has different responses to different situations and to different scenarios. So that's the first common denominator to be recognized when, again, dealing with examples of apparent change, that it's not change which is imposed from without, but it's rather an example, again, of an internal dynamic within the Masorah. The second common denominator, which is also very important to, to keep in mind, is that even these examples are very rare. That uh, There are other examples other than the two examples we gave. We can certainly uh, give more examples, but certainly uh, percentage-wise, in terms of uh, topics and areas of, uh, of halacha, so it's the exception rather than the rule that it's very rare to have these, that they do exist, but it's very rare. It's the exception rather than the rule. And the third common denominator is that in any such case, again, when on the level of appearances that there is change, so that change is decided upon and authenticated by the decision of the Chachmeh HaMasorah, by the decision of whoever in that generation the contemporary leading uh, Torah scholars and authorities are. Those are the three common denominators of examples of change, again, or what, what appears to be change within uh, normative halachic practice. So I think at this point... Having mentioned Chachmei Masor, so we can segue a little bit into to talk about our issue about Masor in a changing world. So we need to perhaps give a little bit of a definition of what Masor is. So the first definition that would uh, come to mind is that Masor is the aggregate of halachos, values, attitudes patterns of behavior and thought which comprise our tradition. That's what Masorah is. But the truth is that that definition is sorely deficient in, in one respect. And to, to try to explain that, I'd just like to share the, the following. Many years ago, I, I, I asked the Rav Zechon what the uh, background was to his essay, Isha Halacha. What was the, sort of what prompted him to, to write it? What was the story of the, the genesis of, of Isha Halacha? And, and he answered that he had been invited to give a talk about what is Halacha. That was the, the invitation that had been extended. And he said that he accepted, but on the condition that he wouldn't talk about what Halacha was, but he would talk about who Isha Halacha was. And then the preparation for, for that talk ultimately became Isha Halacha. So why was it that, that the Rav changed the topic from talking about Halacha again as, again, the abstract noun, the discipline of Halacha, to insisting that he talk about 
ish or ishe halacha? Because halacha isn't only a, a compilation of do's and don'ts, of rules and regulations. Halacha ultimately is a way of experiencing the world. It's a way of experiencing life. It's a way of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's a way of experiencing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And that can't be captured as long as one only talks about halacha in the abstract. To really depict that, you have to be talk, talking about actual Ishei HaHalacha, who, who embodied and personified and, and lived all that that halacha is intended to be. And the same is true for Masorah as well. As long as we just talk about Masorah in the abstract, we're missing something crucial. The Chachmeh HaMasorah are not just incredibly reliable transmitters I used to say tape recorders. I'm not sure what uh, what the iPods now or whatever the the, uh, the more current uh, description should be of, of of tradition. But the Chachme Hamasora are an in, are an intrinsic and integral part of what the Masora is. The Chachme Hamasora again not only transmit again all those halachos, values, attitudes, again patterns of of, of behavior and thought but they also interpret and apply it for us. And thereby, through their interpretations, through their applications, enrich our Masorah. So one can't really talk about the Masorah without talking about the Chachmeh Masorah. And in that context, the Rav Zuchan Levacha had a uh, very famous He'orah where he commented on, the, uh, on a phrase in the Rambam in Perigimel of Hilchos Tshuva, where the Rambam is talking about, the Rambam lists all those in, in Perigim and Filchas Tshuva who forfeit their chilek uh, in, in Olam Haba. So the Rambam says that amongst those is a, is a person who is kofer b'Torah, if a person denies Torah, and he says if a person is kofer b'Perusha, v'hamakchish magidah, if a person denies the Torah Shabbat, the oral interpretation of Torah, He's a, he's a heretic who, Rahman al-Atzlan, forfeits his share in Olam Haba. But in addition, the Rambam also adds the phrase, Vahamakrish Magideha, one who contravenes those who transmit the Masora. So how is that? Why isn't that simply repetitious? You already said, Hakofa Bipeusha, if you're denying the, the oral transmission, the oral tradition regarding Torah, so that's what the Magideha, that's, that's what they say also. So what does Makrish Magideha add? But that's exactly this point, again, that the, the, anyone who, again, not only questions the, the transmission of what was taught in previous generations, but one who, who denies the, the authority of Chachmeh HaMasorah to interpret, to apply, and denies the validity of those interpretations and applications is also being kofar, is also denying our Masorah. So who, who are Chachmeh HaMasorah? So I'll, I'll, I'll try to give a little bit of a thumbnail sketch, but the, the, the words will ring hollow. Anyone who's ever 
had this chus to see one of the Chachmei HaMasorah up close, will we'll realize that, that, that words don't, don't capture it. And so much of the confusion nowadays, and so much of what is said wouldn't be said if more people had the zchus and uh, the ability to appreciate who the Chachmei HaMasorah really are. In another drasha, building off of Gemara Masachas Brachos, which talks about how Chachamim can resemble a Sar Lifnei HaMelech, or an Evid Lifnei HaMelech, an officer before the king, or a servant before the king. So the Rav develops the idea that, again, that the Chachmei HaMasorah really are both. They're both Sarim as well as Avadim. A Sar, an officer in the sense that they, they rule over the corpus of Torah. They rule over, they have an extraordinary mastery. Extraordinary, not the kind of mastery that uh, one gets by knowing how to use the, the, the computer well. They have an extraordinary mastery over thousands of years of rabbinic literature, of, of, of Shas, of Rishonim, of Shulchan Aruch, and more. An extraordinary mastery. Again, they're, they're sovereign. In, in that area, you can't, you can't mention a, a, a Gemara, you can't mention a Seif and Shulchan Aruch that they don't have mastery over, Kesar Lefnei HaMelech. On the other hand, they're also Ke'evid Lefnei HaMelech, the, the piety, the humility, and in the most positive sense of the word, the slavish devotion to Torah is also equally remarkable and equally extraordinary. To, to give an example in terms of, again, the mastery in terms of encyclopedic knowledge, the mastery also means insight with penetrating and, and, and keen insight as well, but just in terms of the encyclopedic knowledge, Rav Hartman, the one who... Um, edits the, the blue maharals with the, with, the, with the notes, tells the following story, that when he was working on the one passage in the maharal, so he finds, that he found the maharal quotes a chazal, and he couldn't find the, uh, the chazal. So he, he, he did the best he could, and he consulted uh, a lot of prominent Talmud uh, Chachamim, and uh, was in Abel. So once he was in Bnei Brak, and then Reb Chaim Kanievsky was walking on the street. So he went over to him, and he told him about what the Gor Aryeh, what the Maharal mentions in, in Gor Aryeh, and he says it's a Chazal, and he can't find it. So he describes the scene as, as follows. Again, which he experienced, which he witnessed. He describes the scene as follows. That Rebchaim Kanievsky stops, and for a moment, just a moment, and says, Nishtin Bavli, Nishtin Yerushalmi, Nishtin Tosefta, and continues like that, and then says, Efshar Mashmoas in Tikune Zohar, and tells him what parak to look in Tikune Zohar. So he was reviewing, I don't... I don't I don't know, maybe someone who specializes in neuropsychology can explain. I, 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 can't, uh, I, I can't fully explain, but he was reviewing Kola Tarakula, and he was looking for the source, and uh, faster than you can do a word search on the computer. So that's just the extraordinary mastery 
on an encyclopedic level. In terms of the depth and profundity of understanding that uh, the Chachme HaMasorah have, so Mechavus and I have been learning recently uh, one of the Shtiklach Torah in, in, in Reb Chaim, in Hilcha Shabbos. You, you, you learn that, you try to learn it, you can spend days, you can spend weeks and uh, finally appreciate some of what he's saying, you get a little bit of a sense of, of, of who the, the Chachme HaMasorah are. The, the, the piety, the humility, again, the, the slavish devotion to Torah. So little wonder, again, we mentioned in, in terms of the common denominators that the third of the common denominators is that the crucial decision, the crucial judgment call to be made so we said that on the one hand there is change, on the other hand there isn't change. That the change is only when it's within. When the halacha says that this is a different situation which internally the masorah dictates a different response. It's not always 100% clear. It's not always clear at all to us. Well, is that what's happening? Or is this change which is being imposed from without? So little wonder that the decision, that that judgment call is given again to, to the Chachme HaMasorah, because that ultimately ultimately there's no such thing as being a specialist in a narrow area of Torah. That there is a certain intuition that a person has, a certain understanding that a person has on Davbeis and Brachos based on everything he's learned from the rest of Torah. There's a Tosefta in, in Masechah Sanhedrin that says, Kol uh, Torah Kul is Inyan Echad. So it's not the case that the difference between the Vilna Gaon and, uh, and me is that I know Brachos Davbeis and the Vilna Gaon knew everything else. No, the difference between the Vilna Gaon and me is on Brachos Davbeis. That the Vilna Gaon's understanding of Brachos Davbeis is informed because of his thinking is in sync with, with that of Torah, based on that, again, extraordinary mastery of, of all of Torah. The more Torah one learns, so the more one thinks, and the more one is attuned, and the more one can intuit what Torah really means. So there's no such thing as, as being a, a specialist in, uh, in, in a narrow area of Torah, and that's why the, the Gedolim throughout the generations weren't specialists. They were, they were Gedolim in all areas, in all areas of, of Torah. I, th- I think that the Rav said about Reb Chaim that he understood the Neshama of Torah. Now that's how he expressed this idea. That, that to be attuned and, and to... Amoshel Amadav Adomah. You have a, 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 it can be a couple, it can be a husband and wife, it can be a, a very close uh, parent-child relationship, Rebbe-Talmud relationship. You work together year after year, hand in hand, so you begin to become attuned to what the other person thinks, how the other person thinks. And it's that which the Chachme HaMasorah Again, each one in his own individual way, each one with his, with his individuality, but it's that which they possess which entitles them, and not us, to an opinion on, on these issues. What's especially sad 
and painful about the, the recent advocacy for uh, women rabbis, it, it not only is a distortion of that particular area of halacha, but it's a distortion of the whole Masorah because, because those advocating don't, don't, are not really entitled to an opinion. To, it, it's, not, it's not an insult to say that someone doesn't belong to the rather elite group of, of Chachmeh HaMasorah and that obviously it obviously is the case that none of the contemporary Chachmeh HaMasorah have uh, spoken in favor of, uh, of such an initiative, have, uh, have given the slightest the inkling, have given the slightest indication that there's any room or any legitimacy to it. So it's a distortion, not only of this particular area of halacha, it's a distortion of the entire Masorah, because that's not how our Masorah functions, and it, uh, it undermines the integrity of, of the entire Masorah. In terms of the, the, the issue itself, in terms of perhaps trying to understand a little bit, and, and here I'm, I'm giving you um, what's not my opinion, but my understanding of, of why the Chachmeh HaMasora don't think there's room for any such thing. Traditionally, historically, smicha always represented Srara. Receiving smicha meant, it didn't mean that a person, nowadays, uh, smicha historically, what it, always, what it always meant is that this person was now recognized and, and had now been, been given the, the imprimatur to go become a rav in a community where his word would be law, where his word would be rule, and where uh, people would have to accept if, you know, if, if appointed as, as rav in that community, would have to accept his word, and that he could exercise a certain swara, that he had the Torah knowledge that authorized him to exercise a certain swara. That's what the, the, the title Rav always represented. That's what smicha always, uh, always represented. So we know that the halacha says, precludes women from positions of, of swara. How is this different? How is this issue uh, different and let's say the issue of Chinuch HaBonos that, that, uh, that we mentioned at the outset. So the issue is very different. The issue of Chinuch HaBonos, sometimes we lack a uh, sense for history and, uh, and, and historical context. Chinuch HaBonos, historically, wasn't a, 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 a concession or a response to any kind of feminist movement or, or demand. The, the, again, quote, changes on, 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 on the level on which it's to be considered a change came about long before feminism existed, when the uh, Chafetz Chaim wrote his famous lines in Likuti Halachos and then in the letter that was 
published in the Beis Yaakov journal. And when uh, the, the Rav advocated uh, his views on Chinuch Abonos, it was long, long before there was any type of feminism in terms of, uh, and certainly in the, the, the orthodox, uh, in the orthodox world. So it wasn't a question of, of compromising with some kind of external values and uh, being influenced, but it was rather, again, a, a recognition on the part and decision on the part of the Chachmei Masorah that the directive that the Masorah provides for this situation is different. In light of the fact that Smicha historically has always, again, represented Srara, that, that a Musmach, again, is, is entitled to, to exercise Srara if accepted in, uh, in, in a certain community. So once that is correctly and accurately understood, so then the, the, the push for women rabbis is a push for not responding to changing conditions, but is a push for changing Masora. And that's what the Chachmeha Masora see very clearly, and that's why it uh, hasn't been given the slightest bit of support. Let's say we hear such an explanation. Let's say you hear a better explanation than the one I just tried to give. And it doesn't resonate. So what, what should one's response be then? Let's say you'll hear a better explanation than the one uh, I, I just tried to outline. And it, uh, and, and it doesn't, uh, doesn't resonate. So when the Sifri says, So we know that Chazal famously darshan, that we have to listen to the Chachmei Masori, even if they tell us left is right and right is left. So L'chari doesn't really mean that, that they're actually wrong. The Gemara in Horios talks about what happens if the Sanhedrin makes a mistake. What it seems to mean is that even though I can't understand what they're saying. I think that what they're saying is they're confusing right and left, and they're confusing left and right. So Chazal are telling us that I should recognize that that's due to my meager understanding. And it's not, it's not necessarily, they're not ultimately, again, maybe it looks like, maybe it looked like to, to, to some person that when Chinuch Habanus was being advocated that, Chaz, that the Chachamim were confusing right and left, left and right, so you have to listen because the truth is that ultimately they're not confusing left and right, right and left, but it's rather because of our lesser and meager understanding that it appears that way to us. So even if the explanation doesn't resonate, that's where our humility is supposed to come into play in recognizing and deferring that these, again, are the Chachmeh HaMasorah with their, again, extraordinary uh, mastery and with dazzling insights and, again, that slavish devotion to Torah, that they're the ones who, who are the Sari HaTorah to be able to interpret and, and apply the, 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 the Masorah.
in, in the sensitive area of Tznius as well, it also requires, again, the keen understanding to be able to draw the line between which aspects of Tznius are time-conditioned, and which aspects of Tznius are perennial and unchanging. I don't know too many people who, who think that once upon a time it, it was pretzesdik for a woman to be outside on the street. I don't know too many people who think that that's uh, true anymore. And that that's uh, and that that's what uh, tzniyusdik behavior in, entails uh, nowadays. On the other hand, on, on the other hand, in terms of sort of objective uh, norms of dress, so that hasn't changed. That hasn't changed. There are other areas, um, perhaps, which seem to us more gray areas where it's harder for us, again, to be able to make that call, is this an aspect of tzniyas, which should, which is the hamokom v'hazman, which is time-conditioned, and that in our social setting, it's acceptable, even though once upon a time it, it wasn't. Well, no, maybe this belongs to those aspects of tzniyas, which are, which are absolute and, and unchanging. So there too, again... We look to to be able to intuit, interpret, and apply for us how the, again, principles as well as details of tzniyus govern, govern our, our behavior today. The Panosa was also on my list as well as... Uh, Rabbi Przanski noted as well as the the the, uh, the the dot dot dot, but but I think rather than um, rather than try to to run through other topics superficially, I, I would just conclude with the Reb Chaim in Ruach Hachayim comments on the first Mishnah in in, in Perkyavos of Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai Umusarli Yeshua Yeshua the Zakenim. So, the Chaim Velazhana correlates each of each of the links in the Masora with the outstanding humility that each of them possessed, and the fact that Moshe Kibel Torah Misinai is directly attributable to the fact that Aish Moshe Onav Maod Mikolo Odem Ashel Pnei Adama, and he continues with that, with Yeshua, with the Zikain, with every link. In, in the Masorah. So the same way that, that this characterized and continues to characterize Chachmeh HaMasorah, that anava, that humility, so the more that we cultivate on our part that anava, so maybe the more that will be Zolcha to understand their interpretations and applications, and the less often we'll need to invoke the halacha of al yomin shehu small and al small shehu yomin, but rather that we'll be privileged to understand and recognize the wisdom and sagacity of recognizing what's yomin and what's small, even in what 
to many people appears as a changing and confusing world.